0: Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Siebra on The Definitive
1: Rap. Hello, I'm Bayla Seabrow, and welcome to The Definitive Wrap. Thank you to VIN News for hosting our show. We're hearing a lot about secularism, more so in recent years. That is because people who classify themselves as secularists believe that religious beliefs and ideas should be neutral from the government, social, economic, and political fields, and even education. In other words, it is separating religion and the rest of the world. It is a philosophy throughout many religions and particularly the Jewish religion where secularism has also invaded. As our esteemed guest says, our Torah has the answer to everything. It is the book of life and it is eternal, never changing and divine. With us today is Mrs. Molly Resnick. Molly Resnick is a veteran journalist a former Israeli TV and NBC News TV producer. She has interviewed many of the world's celebrities, including Sean Connery, Sophia Loren, Moshe Dayan, Menachem Begin, Yitzhak Rabin, Henry Kissinger, and many more. She lectures extensively in the USA, Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, and in five different languages. She has been invited to college campuses to speak such as Oxford, Stanford, UCLA, Harvard, Yeshiva University, Yale, Princeton, Berkeley, NYU, and more. She founded and is the director of MATCKH Mothers Against Teaching Children to Kill and Hate, which fought against the vile and murders educational system perpetrated among young Muslim children to transform them into suicide bombers. Disseminator of Jewish values as a foundation for raising children, promoting morality and upholding standards of modesty among Jewish people. She is the coach and teacher of teens and young adults in the area of Tznius and Derek Eretz. Molly Resnick's greatest claim to fame is that she has inspired and influenced many to turn to their father in heaven, She lives by the credo that we are only on this earth to serve him. Mrs. Resnick, it gives me tremendous honor to welcome you to the Definitive Wrap.
0: Thank you so much. I want to meet this woman.
1: (laughs) And you're sitting right here and I'm in absolute awe. Um, In the last several decades, secularism has not only entered the lifestyle of non-Jewish or non-Orthodox Jews, but we are seeing that secular Jews have been adopted, these secular values have been adopted by Orthodox Jews and their communities too. These new age theories are affecting the values in education, parenting, marriage, and even health. What caused this turn of events that the basics and traditions have been abandoned? Oh
0: my goodness, I don't know where to start, but I think the best thing is for me to give you a little synopsis of where I came from and where I'm at. I was born in Bulgaria, raised in Israel, and decided to leave the land of milk and honey to go to the land of gold and money, and I came to America and landed a job at NBC News as a producer of a daily interview segment called Five Minutes With. And that was the only show of interviews other than the Today Show. So, like you mentioned, I interviewed all the who's who's in the late 70s and 80s. And I was a girl off the boat from Israel, the country that had rarely just gotten its TV. And I was totally taken by the American world. I was in on Broadway the operas, ballets. This was my job. And I would pinch myself to see if this could really be the life that I was leading. But something seemed to always gnaw at me. Is this what it's all about? And I decided that I was gonna take a leave of absence from NBC News and go and find if there's a true, eternal value to the world and to life. Like for example, I would see a woman nurse. She was a hero. But when I was nursing my child, my mother-in-law thought I was a cow. I had a ping pong going on. I remember there was a book called The Anti-Coloring Book. And this woman was advocating, why have children color within the lines? Let them be free. But I realized afterwards that unless you are first a Rembrandt, you cannot be a Picasso. You have to color within the lines. You have to go to West Point so that you know the rules to get you to, to become an avant-garde. And so I took a leave of absence. And I went from Panama to Peru to Machu Picchu to Rio de Janeiro. And there, in the midst of the most decadent culture in the world, I was tapped on the shoulder by a young girl who made me light Shabbat candles. And that mixture of awe and voodoo, because to me, this was close to voodoo, sparked something in me and made me think who was I what was I being led by and I said oh my god you exist there's a purpose to life there's a point to humanity and I have to find out what you want from me and because you did this for me without interruption without any sadness without any illness I'm going to give up for you the five things that I hold most dear and every year Gets more embarrassing to say them pork, shrimp, lobster, champagne, and caviar. And I'm going to light candles because it was through the candles. And this was what set me back home and made me rethink my life and made me become uh, an observant Jewish woman who married the Lubavitcher Rebbe's doctor and has three children two of whom are shluchim, emissaries of the Rebbe, one in California and one in the biggest jungle in the world, Manhattan. And the third is a man who used to be the editor of the Jewish press and is now just finalizing his last steps of his PhD. So this is my background, how I was literally transported from the ultimate secularism to godliness and a godly world and what's frightening me today is to see how secularism is infiltrating our world even in very insidious manner our religious world so i just thought i'd put that out there so people could have a little bit of an idea and as you said i do speak a lot of languages my first language was bulgarian my second was ladino which is close to spanish my third was french because my parents talked in French when they said secrets. My fourth was Hebrew when we emigrated to Israel and my fifth is English. And then I went into a little Italian and a little German and a little Russian, a little Chinese, a little Japanese. It wasn't the question, but while I was thinking about my life, I was thinking I would never dream of not having something in the original. So if it's Moliere, it has to be in French and Dostoevsky in Russian. and Cervantes in Spanish and Dante Alighieri in Italian and Hegel in German. I even learned Sanskrit, so I should be able to go into the Bhagavad Gita in the original. And it was I who translated Begin's speech when Sadat surprised him in the Knesset, 1977. Anwar Sadat, president of Egypt, comes and surprises Israel and says, I want peace. And he shows up. We're at NBC News in Manhattan, in New York. Who's going to talk which language? We're looking for simultaneous translators. And guess what? Tom Brokaw says, Molly knows both Hebrew And English. So they take Mali, that's Moha, and put me in 30 Rockefeller Center. And I am sitting next to Mr. Henry Kissinger, Secretary of State, and I am translating Begin's speech from Hebrew into English. NBC News doesn't have a person to simultaneously translate. I'm doing my first ever simultaneous translation, and I'm doing a pretty good job, but Begin was a very hearty, a Jew with a lot of fire in him of Judaism. And used to quote the Torah and the Tehillim verses of our Bible and our Psalms. And at that point, silence on NBC News, because this one did not understand a word he was saying. So here was this girl who knew all the other languages, but couldn't translate her own language. And when I focused on that, I said, Oh my gosh! You have a lot of learning and catching up to do.
1: Wow, wow, that's fascinating. Oh my goodness, it's <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm speechless. <laughs> it takes a lot to get me that way. Look, I am. <laughs> Look I am. Mrs. It, Resnick, it's ginger ale, by the way. <laughs> it looks like wine. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank you, Mrs. Resnick, for your book. Um, Forsake not thy mother's teachings. um, You interviewed 12 personalities. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) What a book. Um, So, in interviewing those 12 personalities, you also interviewed uh, the chief rabbi of Russia. That must have been a fascinating experience for you, particularly because although there are differences, Marxism and secularism do agree that socialism is a good system of government. So that said, um, please tell us about that interview um, with with the chief rabbi and what he has seen, because even though Marxism no longer exists in Russian society, there are still a handful of Russians that uphold his views. Okay. So
0: first of all, let me tell you that I am very good friends with the entire family. And I spent 15 days being his guest in his house in Russia, in Moscow. I went to speak there, and it was one of the most exciting, beautiful visits that I've ever had in my entire life, because to see what this man and his entourage have done to regenerate, to bring Judaism to the forefront, is beyond comprehension. The restaurants, the number of people who are observing who are living who are learning in Russia was amazing and so after having spent that and done over 20 interviews in different parts of the city and the country I I was so taken by him I must say I think that he is a phenomenal creature individual and to see how Putin has such respect for him is, is beyond comprehension so I was so focused on the extent that he had made Judaism into such an important thing and to see how many Jewish people are being copied by the non-Jews. Non-Jews pretend that they're Jews so they can be part of this. It's beyond comprehension. So I didn't see in any of the people that I met any closeness to anything that reminded us of socialism or communism. And I must've been blind if it was there that I didn't see it. But all I saw was this love for God this belief that we are there to get every Russian Jew to find his heritage and to become a member of his people. And that was really the only thing that I saw. I remember standing, I was making a movie in Russia, and I was standing in front of the Kremlin with two Russian soldiers next to me. And I was saying for my intro, where are you, Lenin? Where are you, Stalin? We are here, and you are nowhere to be seen. You're in the dungs of history. And I'm saying to myself, this is magic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying this in front of two Russian soldiers. It was so wonderful to be there, to see what they have done. I I, I can't even, no matter what I describe, it's not really what it was so, so amazing. When I remember that the wife of the Rebbe's secretary, Rabbi Binyamin Klein, She used to say, my grand, my father used to take a detour of one kilometer away from anything to do with the Russian government, the Kremlin, just to avoid them because they were so scary. Mm -hmm. So to think of where we've come from that, those times Mm -hmm. to where we are so proud. And I was there again. They had a wedding for his daughter just two years ago before the COVID began. And one of the Sheva Brachas was in the Kremlin. Can you well, imagine oh my a making a Sheva brachas for a Jewish girl? It, it's beyond comprehension. It, it, Every one it must of the have Sheva been Bruchas.
1: one heck of an experience for you.
0: It was. It was really, you. it's so funny how you landed on saying Rabbi Lazar. And he's one of the people I really admire most. I'm very friendly with his sister and with his mother and with his children. And I've spoken for them. I, you cannot have chosen a family that has made, uh, such an impression on my life.
1: Right. What is Jewish life there now like? There now. What is it? What is it like living there as a Jewish person?
0: Well, honestly, I, I really was among the people who were running the place. I did not go into the into the caves or whatever there is if there is that. All I saw was beautiful buildings, people learning seriously, Chassidus uh, and really? Gemara and Torah. Can you imagine? that you could feel that way living in America and the greatest country in the world. It's just beyond comprehension. I, I, I have no words to say what a great, a great place it was for, from my experience as a Jewish person traveling South Africa and Europe and, but Russia
1: was it. Right, I'd love to travel with you. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Um, Mrs. Resnick, I remember watching a documentary where pregnant uh, Muslim mothers-to-be were interviewed, and they said that they hope that the child they are carrying will martyr themselves. Mrs. Resnick, you have done so much and continue to influence good in this world. Please tell us about the organization MATCKH, Mothers Against Teaching Children to Kill and Hate, that you founded. Tell us about this organization.
0: Well, when I first started it, it was, I was on a plane and I landed in New York and I bought the New York Post and there was a photograph of a young girl and the caption was, I will blow myself up at the gates of Jerusalem. And then the whole story was about this educational system, and I said it can't be true. It can't be true. And I investigated, and I got very involved with governmental officials and secret and, and and senators, and I found out that it's not only true, but it's so prevalent. And I decided I'm founding an organization called Match Mothers Against Teaching Children to Kill and Hate. And nobody wanted to listen. It's not true. It doesn't exist. I had the hardest time with Jewish organizations, and it was it was unbelievably impossible to reach anyone and then finally I made a movie and I made it on August 2000 anyway I made that then and a month later they blew up the towers and in my movie I said they will come to America they will come to New York they will come to Detroit and a month later it happened so it was such uh, gratifying in a way that you were no longer talking to the wall and thank Thank God, by now, you don't have to convince anyone that there's the educational system and that they're brainwashing little children and doing the most vile thing that you can do to a child. What do you teach a child to be good, to be kind, to bring about uh, love to his friends? And here they are saying, blow yourself up so that you can be a hero. It's, It's the greatest child abuse in the world. I was working so hard at the time to try to bring it to The realization of 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 our Jewish organizations, but I think now you don't have to convince anybody that this is happening. And it's thank God it's not happening like it used to. Do you remember what it used to be like in Israel? Every other week or another bus blows up a pizzeria. It was horrible. So it was it was really quite um, a difficult thing to do. But I'm glad I was I was gratified that I was able to pierce through.
1: Right. So, did you have a staff, or ha- what? Did, what did you do to well, you know to promote to promote um, anti hate? Because that's basically what you were doing. You were promoting anti hate. So, I had a group
0: of women. I was living in Detroit. My husband had been invited to be the head of hypertension at Wayne State University Hospital. So, I was living in Detroit, and that's where I started it. And what we did, as we being a television producer, I always thought, how do I get people interested? So I decided we're going to start writing letters. It was people used to write the, uh, the HIV and they would write letters. And so we, write, we wrote letters to Palestinian children. Why do you hate me? I don't hate you. I love you. Right. And we made quilts out of them. So we went into schools and had quilts done. And the media came to cover it. So the way we got the media to cover it is by creating media events. And so it moved along. And, and so the staff was people who heard about it and wanted to join. We used to work around in my dining room, my kitchen, in other people's dining room. It was really extremely effective, this uh, whole idea of sending letters. And we were going to send them. How do you send them? So we got different... Uh, Hillary Clinton was going to help us at the time before nine eleven. Oh. It was so interesting that people were suddenly waking up because we are going to schools and getting children. So you have a headline, uh, uh, match uh, activists uh, arrive at base Yehuda school or something. So it becomes a story. So my NBC expertise kind of helped me. By then I wasn't there anymore, but helped me to think of how do I get NBC to want to cover it? So that was very helpful using all the media techniques.
1: Right. And is it still active today?
0: Well, it's active in the fact that it exists in, 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 in name. And there are people who are still interested in doing things. But there's nothing to do in actual fact, like going to schools. It's not happening like it used to happen. So we, in a way, with other people, achieved our goal that it was known. And they, they said they stopped it. To what degree? I don't know. <laughs> I was in South Africa when I was in South Africa, and it was quite a few years ago. But I met with all the people there, and the, the PLO ambassador came and said, this is all lies, this is all untrue. So they made a 60-minute speech. They had me and him on. And again, to create such a furor that people should hear about it was a big
1: success. Well, that's, that's fascinating. I want to circle back a little bit to... Um the book that you wrote forsake not Thy mother's teachings um what message would you like to give to the world
0: well what are what are our mother's teachings our mother's teachings are that god gave us the torah and he is promising the world that there will be a redemption that all this strife will end there will be a mashiach there will be a uh, a Messiah that will come to the world, and we will put our plowshares and become our, our swords into plowshares, and we will finally have an understanding that there is peace and love, and uh, and and all the good things that we want. But it's the Jewish people who are the light to the nations. We have the Torah that God gave us, and we have to be the ones to stand up in front and exclaim it, and get every Jew out there to believe it, and to want to follow it, because like me, there are so many intelligent and successful Jews who who are living, in a way, such a lost life. I am so grateful and thankful to the good Lord that I have three children, and I'm an only child, and I, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but I have over 15 little grandchildren and and it's so exciting and Uh and they're all Torah students and they're all they're all wanting to do what God wants and I'm saying to myself what did I do to deserve this and
1: you're a wonderful person and you do so much good in this world
0: thank you so much we are
1: just so grateful to have you and this and this book really um it signifies who you are and what you stand for and well, you're, not- you're 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 a leader. You're a leader amongst people. Uh, oh, thank you. you, know, thank you. <laughs> uh forsake not thy mother's teachings. So that's something that, you know, we know what it means. But for those that don't understand why you chose the title, Forsake Not Thy Mother's Teachings as opposed to Father's Teachings, so can you please explain to our audience?
0: Okay, so I must tell you that this is the most beautiful present that I got from my son. My son, who is, was the editor of the Jewish Press, for my 75th birthday, he went and took all the articles that I had published in different places, in the, in the Jewish Press, in the community councils, in the Amis, in the Mishpachas, and all the places, collected them together. And then my other son was a shaliach, an emissary in California, and a brilliant scholar and he came up with a, the with a title, Forsake Not Thy Mother's Teaching, because they said everything we know, everything that we stand up for is our mother's teaching, means our Torah, our Jewish heritage. And they gave it to me as my 75th birthday present. So I am so lucky to have this book out there. And it sort of promulgates uh, there's the interviews, of course, but also some of my op-eds talk very strongly about my my Jewish values, my conservative values, and the need that we have to stay strong and to lead and to be an example for what is true and good in the world, our Jewish heritage.
1: Right. So how did Mrs. Molly Bresnik become so great?
0: Tell, oh tell us goodness. a little bit
1: about your early years.
0: Oh my gosh. I was raised in Israel. So uh, I, uh, I really kind of, was in love with America. I thought it was an amazing country. And then I became a student of political science in the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. I even worked for Golda Meir, uh, who was the, the, the foreign minister at the time. And I always wanted to come to the greatest country in the world. To me, America was the country that represented democracy and truth. And I came here during Watergate. Watergate. A country, other, other country would have perhaps collapsed. But because of its constitution, it survived. I used to walk with the constitution in one pocket and the bill of rights in the other. It was my sole raison d'etre. This is the country I wanted to be. And it was only when I got to the fact that even the constitution is based on our Torah. Everything good in Christianity is Judaism. And the rest is paganism. Everything normal in Islam is also Judaism. We are the civilizers of the world. It's our Torah, but I, I, I never understood it. And I never wanted, I would, never wanted to be a Jew. I hated being Jewish. I wanted to be princess. I wanted to be Diana or whoever was the queen or the king. And I never realized we are the royalty of the world. We Jews, we were given the mission to promote what is great about being a human being and it's straight from the Torah. And that's it. And we can be proud that we were born to be there. You, I, and every Jew in the world, but being a Royal person means you have a lot of work. It's not just wearing a crown. It means you have an obligation to go out there and to promote the right things and make sure that you spend every day that you can to get other people to, to be what you believe is the right thing. And
1: to set an example,
0: right exactly
1: you you are are definitely a role model (laughs) Mrs. Resnick thank you so very much for joining us today I will end with your quote that I read life is not about us our feelings or our emotions it's about what we are on this earth to lead a healthy, meaningful godly life Amen Thank you to Vin News, and thank you to our audience for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening to The Definitive Rap with your host, Bela Sebrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.